The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. And welcome to today's Tuesday People podcast. I'm Mitch Album, your host. Alongside me is Lisa Goich, my friend and producer. Hi, Lisa. Hello, Mitch. We're doing a, a special version of our podcast today. You know, we had a subject and actually an interview uh, all set up. We're ready to go. Uh, but it's very clear that the world has changed an awful lot in uh in the last few days and few weeks and probably in the last five minutes for many of you listening. And both Lisa and I thought it would be more appropriate if we kind of scrapped what we had already set and 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 do it really live, as live as a podcast can be on this Tuesday, uh, and talk to you about what's going on in the world right now. Uh, in particular, fear, because with the COVID-19 coronavirus, there is an awful lot of fear. We live in a, a world right now that is changing by the minute. Uh, as At the moment that we're broadcasting this, pretty much all the major population areas have closed schools, have uh, closed bars and restaurants, uh, have told people not to gather in any uh, uh, form of more than maybe 50 people. Air travel is down to minimums. Airports are isolated. Uh, people are hearing one piece of information and then another piece of information. And of course, all of this leads to anxiety, concern, and of course, fear. So we thought, how can we best be of service to our listeners? And in that sort of what would Maury do situation, Maury Schwartz being the professor and the basis of this podcast, uh, it sure is appropriate to talk about fear because Maury had a lot of fear. Maury found out that he was going to die. Unlike those of us who will get the COVID-19 virus with very, very rare exception, we're not going to die from it. We're just going to endure something that resembles a flu or a cold that we've gone through, but we will come out the other end. Maury didn't have that assurance in fact, he was told the opposite, and yet he had, I thought, uh, one of the great viewpoints of fear, and I wanted to share in his words a little bit of that with you right now. Listen. However that fear comes, in whatever form it takes, the only way that I know is to look it in the face and be aware of the fact that you have it, and then say, what can I do about it? I want to continue to tremble and submit, or do I want to try to handle it? Those are really wise words. Do I want to continue to tremble and submit, or do I want to try to handle it? There is a lot of trembling going on, Lisa. There is a lot of submitting. Yep. There's a lot of submitting before you even had to submit. You know, people were locking themselves away in their homes. 
before they even needed to, uh, refusing to greet anybody. I remember Serena Williams, for some reason, uh, tweeted out like four or five days ago, I'm going into six weeks of isolation. Now, why she felt the need to tell oh, the geez. world that, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it was already out there. And uh, there are a lot of people doing the same thing now. So what? how can we be of help? Well, first of all, let's talk about what people are fearful of. Because fear is a debilitating, debilitating emotion. It can literally freeze you in your tracks. If you are too full of fear, you won't do anything. And even worse, you may do some foolish things. Uh, because fear, there's a whole physiology to fear. There's a whole biology to fear. The the fight or flight instincts that your body takes over, the cortisol that runs through your body, the adrenaline that runs through your body, the way your brain reacts to fear. It is it is not something we're talking about in theory. It's something that we is very, very real physiologically as well as psychologically as well as society-wise. And so it is a really important thing for all of us to deal with. First thing to do, take a very deep breath. And do it with us. Okay. There we go. So for the next however many minutes, we're going to try to put fear into its place. We got a lot of comments from people in advance of this broadcast, this podcast, asking, we said, what scares you the most as this pandemic circles the world? What would make you feel better to say it out loud? And I'm going to share some of them with you, and then we're going to talk about what we can do about it. A woman named Miriam, I'm afraid of being isolated from not being able to hug or go to work at our school, be with our students, my family, my friends. I miss hugging. If I have the virus, how long before I could go near anyone? Another woman, Desiree, at this time of worldwide crisis, I'm so scared that more and more people will be eaten with their fear to the extent of not using their common sense and ignoring the thought of being concerned with others with this current situation. The negative thing I see now and getting worse is how people become selfish over time. Many people forget the, the value of the word sharing. I hope with our current problem, we would think as one for a solution and not as an individual, because this is not a personal issue, but a worldwide concern. Share the good, stop hoarding, being a sharing and loving soul. She's afraid that we're going to lose that. that. Yeah. Uh, okay. First of all, you only need to be as afraid as you want to make yourself. So my first suggestion would be you cannot predict the future of this particular situation except to say that we will survive it. Unless you have some kind of scientific, uh, I mean, uh, science fiction sort of imagination where the, the, the virus turns to a superbug, turns to a giant bug, turns into a monster that steps all over us. We have gone through this before. History has gone through this before when it was far less equipped to handle it. Pandemics have taken place in, in shapes or form every handful of years and go back to the dawn of time. We are, so remind yourself, we have never been better positioned in history ever than to survive this than we are right now through technology, through, can you imagine if in 1918, they had a pandemic right then, uh, where you had to stop and everybody had to stay at home and every, and no business, there was no such thing as computers. There was no such thing as, I don't even think the telephones were working back then, right? right? Or they were in primitive stages. So communication was totally shut off. Uh, information flow, right now you're at home 
You may be listening to us at home, but you have all the information that you need. You're not in the dark about mm-hmm. anything. You can read about it online. You can watch it on television. That didn't exist in previous pandemics when there was mass confusion and, and people didn't know and people didn't know what to do or what not to do. And yet we survived it, didn't we? Humanity came yep. through it all. And, and these pandemics didn't slow the world for a decade or five years or two years where there was nobody doing anything. They came and, and, and life resumed. As bad as this may get, it will run its course through and life will resume. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform episodes come out weekly on Mondays so what is the worst when people when you go to psychologists and they say okay what are you afraid of well let's take it to the nth degree people are sometimes afraid to go to the nth degree they they live in their fear almost like in, in a fishbowl and they say I'm just afraid of this I'm afraid of this I'm afraid of this I'm afraid of this. I said well let's look out through the fishbowl what are you actually afraid of long term so let's take it to the nth degree what's the worst long term death right the world it's not going to happen It's not going to happen. The world is not going to end. Nobody is saying the world is going to end. Nobody is saying that half of the planet is going to be wiped out. Nobody is predicting that. And and the history of this doesn't show any of that. The people who are at risk by now are very well aware of who is at risk, as we've been told so many times, of a certain age and certain proclivities. And if you are of that age or you have, you have uh, immune system issues or things like that, you need to be taking big precautions. Same as you would under other circumstances. Uh, people who have weak immune systems don't go to certain countries where they might catch a bug, right? Uh, the people who are particularly sensitive to the sun or have skin issues don't go to places where the sun is. It's nothing new. So the big, big, long-range picture is not the end of the world. So let's back it up from there, all right? So what are you afraid of? Well, it's not the long term, so now pull it back. It's going to be a little more the short term. Okay, once you know it's short term and use the word short, it makes it a whole lot better, right? We're not even talking about long anymore. Mm-hmm. We're talking about short. Okay, okay. Long term, the world's not going to end. Uh, you know, we're, The country's not going to go out of business altogether. It's not. It's just going to take X period of time. I, I've written a number of pieces on this in, over the last few days from the column that I write for the Detroit Free Press that's syndicated, and you can get it if you like on, on my website at MitchAlbum.com or anywhere else if you want to read it. But I wrote that, you know, we're a very impatient country, and we're not good with time. We're not good with someone says we don't know how long it's going to take. We like to know how long things are going to take. If I'm going to sit down for this football game, I'll be done in three hours. If I'm going to start this project, it's going to take me a week to finish. You know, if 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 uh, if I'm going to type a tweet, I have 140 characters. You know, we like having the outside edge set for us, right, Lisa? Right. There's no yep. outside edge here. This is what's bothering people. There's no outside edge. We want to know: is it two weeks? Is it two months? Is it? Six months is it a year? And nobody can tell us that. And that's driving us crazy because we got to have a deadline. We got to know when it's going to be over. We want to know when it's going to be done with this. All right. You have to recognize that sometimes things 
take their course, and we don't have an answer for that. And I think that that's what a lot of people are fearful of, really, deep down. They don't know how long this is going to go on. If I said to you Mm -hmm. right now, hey, scientists just came out and determined without a shadow of a doubt that May 31st will be the day that the world will completely go back to normal, everyone would be all right with it. (laughs) Everybody would be planning their three-month staycations that they can, you know, who they're going to be with from now until May 31st. Well, maybe that ends up being the case. But the difference is if you know it versus you don't know it, right? If you know it, then suddenly you're not afraid of it. If it ends up happening, but you don't know it, you're afraid. Why? The same thing could end up being true, right? So so somewhere out there, there is a date. Somewhere out there, there's a date by which people are going to say, you know what, we can come out and everything's going to be okay. You know, It's out there. So the only thing that's making you fearful is that you don't know, right? You don't know how long it's going to be, and it drives us crazy. We want to know how long we're going to be in this particular state. Well, we have to accept, as Maury said, what you can do about it and what you can't. That part we're not going to know, but it is out there. You know it's there, and you know it's going to come to an end. We discussed that already. So you have to just believe that it's coming. It's a little bit like, uh, okay, when your parents, when you were a kid, they hid a present in the house. Where is it? I'm not going to tell you where it is. Well, you had the knowledge that it was somewhere in the house. And as long as you knew it was somewhere, you kept looking for it, right? You just kept going, you kept going, but you had the, right. it was the knowledge. <laughs> you didn't say to yourself, it's not here, because you knew it was there, and so it didn't bother you because you I'll just keep looking right. until you I find it. it. Even if it took two months to, for you to find it, you keep looking for it. So know that there is an end to this, and take solace in the fact that it's out there, and recognize what am I really just afraid of not knowing my future between now and that point, all right? That should bring down your fear and anxiety level a little bit. Well, I think a lot of people, including me, are not so afraid of the virus itself, but of all of these other things surrounding the virus. Uh, Fear didn't even strike me until I went to the grocery store last Wednesday night. And that was the night when there was a big press conference that day. You know, I think a lot of things were put in the news that made people feel like, oh my gosh, now I have to go gather all of my supplies to quarantine for 14 days. So for me, never in my life have I walked into a grocery store and seen empty shelves. And I'm not talking one empty shelf. I'm talking about when you go and you can't even find a can of soup. You know, it's really alarming. And every day it's gotten worse. They stock up, more people come, they hoard, they walk out with 42 baskets of food, and some people who just want enough food to get by for a week can't get it. So I think those are the kind of things that you fear. You're like, what if there is no food? You know, what if there, you know, we don't have any more resources that we we always think we're going to have forever because that's the generation we grew up in. You know, we didn't grow up during the Depression, uh, and now I understand why people would always say my grandparents had that, quote, depression mentality. I totally right. get it now. Right. Well, I understand that. And that is certainly uh, frightening. Uh, it's a little less frightening for me, I guess, uh, because I work in Haiti all the time and I am constantly seeing a country that has nothing on its shelves. And uh, I've traveled right. around the world and been, been to other places where it's not there. And yet they get by. And that they get by Mm -hmm. and people aren't dying of starvation there uh, because they couldn't buy, you know, they're dying because they don't have the money 
to get certain things, but not because there isn't product. And this temporary uh, toilet paper, what I call the toilet paper run mentality, which is is really crazy because you know the first thing that people ran for was toilet paper and everyone was like what is this a is this a diarrhea disease or something because why does everybody need toilet right, paper but those are the first people to think of when they say what don't i want to run out of but it don't you understand that whole thing is being done from a fear mentality i'm going to run exactly. out so therefore i've got to get it because i'm going to run out when the truth is you may never run out. In fact, you may find yourself with more toilet paper than you ever needed uh, because you went in and, and got all this. And yes, that part of it, we need to sort of encourage one another to say, hey, if I don't panic, if I go to the store and buy three things and you don't panic, you go to the store and buy three things, then maybe it calms down the other person who's looking over at other people's carts and says and sees the person that you're referencing who has 40 things in there and says, I better get 40 things. You know, this is where the this is where the uh, it's not even fear mentality. It's 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 mimicked fear mentality. If he's that afraid, then I need to be that afraid. Well, that's what happened to me. For instance, I just went to do my regular grocery shopping. I wasn't even thinking of food hoarding. You know, we already knew about the toilet paper. But up until that point, there was plenty of food on the shelves. So when I went, I was just going in from a regular shopping. However, when I saw this lady in the soup aisle, I am not kidding you. I think she had every can from that aisle in her basket. Right. You know, noodles all gone, pasta gone. I found myself being that person and thinking, oh my gosh. So I started like scraping things off the shelves. I'm on my hands and knees right, looking underneath shelves. but you see someone shelves. else then looked at you and saw you doing that. And right. they probably did the same. And so you're It was like not, a sense of panic. Right. And you're not helping matters because you're, you're submitting to panic and then you're creating panic too for someone else who's looking at you who might be doing a podcast with somebody else who's and referencing right. <laughs> you and saying there was this woman on her knees and she was grabbing everything. So I figured I better as well. Um, now, the likelihood of us running out of food is, is, is not even worth talking about. All right. This is not a country that's going to run out of food. And no. I imagine that uh, I imagine that there will start to be with this, these become issues. There'll start to be rules instituted in marketplaces about you know f- three to a customer, two to a customer, five to a customer, and you won't be able to buy uh, an entire uh, uh, baskets worth of all the soup, you know, because they're not going to let you walk out the door. That's pretty easily taken care of if you just limit right. the quality uh, quantities. And listen, if they can limit um, fifty people to a place. Or they can make restaurants and bars close at three o'clock. They can most certainly say, you know, uh, quantities have to be limited in supermarkets. And if that's what it takes to keep people like the soup lady from taking everything, right. <laughs> uh, then that's what needs to be done. But there is no threat to our food supply. All right. Think about what are you being afraid of? There's not a, 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 a plague going through the wheat fields. There's not a locust attacking our our corn and our tomatoes and all the rest. Farmers can continue to make food and food manufacturers can continue to operate. Things will slow down because laborers, you know, the labor force will be affected to a degree. But here's the thing that, that you need to remember. Okay. Try to, try to look for the, what I call the counter numbers. All right. And this is where I think the media is not doing anybody any favors. And as a member of the media, I want to tell people I understand, and it's easier for me to understand it, because the media is inclined to go for the worst news 
uh, go for the bad news, print the bad news, print the, uh, the bad numbers, and their inclination is not necessarily to look for the positive things. And so this is very unhelpful in a, in a, a situation like this. It's good when there's government corruption and you want somebody to look into government corruption and not uh, take the press releases from the government and really dig deep. But with things like this, the media needs to be responsible not to not report the negative news or whatever the numbers are, things like that, but to counter it with the positive news. So for every uh, amount of, uh, every number that they print that says, here's how many coronaviruses there are now in the world, they should be printing, here's how many people have recovered from coronavirus. Because it's an astounding number. Uh, I think right now it's already probably close to 100,000 people have recovered from coronavirus. They're Mm-hmm. They're better, and they're not going to get it again. The indications are that you're not going to get it twice. So as as this thing works its way through, there will be more and more people who will have been recovered. They're on the other side of it, and they're okay. And those people presumably will make up more of the workforce uh, as other people get sick. Those people will actually probably be the source of some vaccines, so uh, they're saying, you know, one of one of the ways you make a quick vaccine is you you take the um, you know the blood or the serum from people who have uh, gone through it and are now better, and you use it to help design vaccines. And they will right. create a vaccine for this. The other thing that people need to remember: it may be a year away, but that's the, the good news about that is that this won't be coming back every single year over and over again. But but I want to go back to the uh, the thing about the uh, the news. Okay, recognize what's causing your fear. This is the second big point. All right, we talked about, you know, what are you afraid of down the road? And we've just talked about there isn't anything to be afraid of down the big road. This is not the apocalypse. Down the big road, we're going to come through this and we'll be fine, just as we have come Mm -hmm. through pandemics before. All right, so the big picture, nothing. Now, let's pull it in on point number two. Are you feeding your fear? Are you feeding your fear? All right. This is this is something that you got to look at your uh, own behavior, and you've got to kind of uh, you know put a put a a grip around it. All right. Uh, let me play you a little something that Maury Maury said about fear. That remember, he was actually dying. He was dying from right. ALS. He was dying. The thing that we keep fearing that isn't happening to us was actually happening to him. Dying from ALS. This is what he said about fear when I asked him about, you know, how does it affect your actions? How do you deal with it, with what you're going through? If you live in the moment and live your day, as I think you do, full of vitality and vigor, interest, enthusiasm, that's all you want out of life. Then you can say, yes, the death is there, but I'm not afraid, and I'm doing the best I can to make life important. So those are the words of a person who was actually dying and still was able to say, I want my days to be full of vitality and vigor, interest, enthusiasm. That's what I want out of life. And yes, death is there, but I'm not afraid, and I'm doing the best I can. So we need to say, okay, not death, thank goodness, 
But yes, the virus is there. And yes, some of the people who are listening to us are going to get it. And once they have it, they're going to realize, wow, okay, I have it. I'm not dying. Uh, 14 days later, uh, hopefully it's gone. And uh, now I've recovered from it. And the more people who are going to be out there, and this will happen too, who are saying, I recovered from it, and you start interviewing those people instead of, oh my God, I've got it, people, uh, I think that'll calm people down. And more people who know people who have recovered from it say, my friend had it and she's done and she's fine. Oh, okay, all right, then it's not that big a deal. Right. You know, we had Carl Goldman on our show, on our right. podcast last week. Right. And I have to say, I was, I was very um, calmed after listening to him because one, he sounded perfectly fine. He right. sounded totally healthy. He right. wasn't hacking or coughing, didn't seem breathless. And he's just living with this until he can test negative and go home. Right. But I think we fear like, oh my gosh, we're going to get it. And it's going to be like, we'll be laying on the floor and you know, blood will be flying out of our ears. And everybody who has, who has everybody who has any knowledge of this says that's not the case. It's a cold. Right. You have a fever and you have a cough and maybe you get some chills right. and, and you have some shortness of breath. I've had all of those things. So there's another reason not to be afraid. Have you ever had a fever? Yes, you know what it is. Have you ever had a cough? Yes, you know what it is. Have you ever had shortness of breath? Sure, if your chest has ever been congested, you know what that feels like. If your chest mm -hmm. is clogged, so you take a breath and you go about halfway in and you start to feel, oh, I'm clogged up. Okay, we've had all the symptoms before. You've, there's not going to be any symptom that any adult hasn't already had. So nothing to be fearful about that. All right. And if you choose to live your days fully while this is going on, that is a, the best antidote to this fear. Because if you just sit there and wallow in your fear, you're going to spring your nervous system. You're going to shoot your cortisol. You're going to live in this fight or flight mode. All right. So I've been trying to get back to this point for five or six minutes. The point is you do not need to check the Internet every five minutes. You do not need to put on CNN or especially not CNN for some reason. I, I don't know. They just have a they just have an end of the world feel to them. You know, uh, I wouldn't suggest Fox necessarily because Fox is also Fox can sometimes make it seem like it's not as bad as it is because it's all politics and everybody's talking about whether President Trump's doing a good job or not. Anyhow, whatever your news source of choice is, I'm not here to advise you on that. But I am here to advise you, don't check it every five minutes. Don't check it every hour. It's, it will drive you crazy. It will feed the fear. You know, you say, I don't want to be afraid. I want to be afraid. And then you keep looking in the basement, in the dark, right. <laughs> in the middle of the night. What's going to happen is what's going to happen. And it will, you know, you need to stay up on it certainly once a day to kind of find out, is there a new development in my town or whatever that I want to, you know, are they telling me now we can't do this or that? But pr chances are, unless you're a hermit, you're going to pretty much know that from friends or people who you speak to. Right. Meanwhile, counter your news with other things in the day. And this is the third thing. So the best way to fight fear is find the things that best counter it for you. I I'm seeing now that a lot of people are with their families, a lot of people with their kids, a lot of people have sort of gathered together because they don't have to work or they can work remotely. So people who live cross town or whatever are kind of going into the same house and hanging out with one another. These are opportunities. There are opportunities in this virus to do things that we have said for so long 
Oh, if only I didn't have to work every day. You know, I would, you know, I wish I could see. I haven't seen my sister in four months, you know, and, and we just can't get together. Our schedules don't align. Hey, your schedules might align now. Spend that time. Oh, I'm not spending enough time with my kids. I'm always up the. You're at home with your kids now. They don't have school. You've got that time. Burrow into that. If you've got children at home, if you've got your family around you, and you are spending all your time on the internet, going, oh my God, now they're saying this and now they're saying that. Not only are you scaring your family, you are squandering a great opportunity to enjoy the day. You know, you're still allowed to go outside. Right now, we've had beautiful weather right where we are here, and we're not in a place. I'm in Michigan. We don't usually have beautiful weather. Lisa, you probably have beautiful weather every day. You're allowed to go outside. Go outside. Take a walk. Enjoy that. So you keep saying, boy, I haven't walked outside. Here's your opportunity. You could ride a bike. You can do all these things. We're not under curfew right now. If that comes, then we'll face it. But solo activities or activities with you know your loved ones or whatever, you're allowed to do. So find the things that make you happy and wallow in them. Don't sit in front of the computer. Don't sit in front of the television set because you will just feed your fear. Think about what Maury said. Live your day full of vitality, vigor, interest, enthusiasm. That's what you want out of life. Maury, we've played it before in the past on our on our, on our podcast, had that aphorism, the Buddhist exercise where you put a little bird on your shoulder and you say, is today the day I'm going to die? And you, you ask that bird that question every day. And you have to be prepared for the day that the bird says yes, even though the bird's going to say no all those other days. And are you prepared? Well, what is the preparation for it? It's to live your life to the fullest. Now, if the bird tells you, uh, yes, today is the day, do you want to have been spending the last five days on the internet checking the daily coronavirus counts as if anybody has that in any kind of perspective? Is that how you want to spend your days counting? It's up to 3,000 now. It's 3,010. It's 3,040. What is that going to do for you? but exacerbate your fear. The numbers are going to continue to go up for some time, but you don't understand the numbers. I don't understand the numbers relative to the population. What is there, 3,000 cases when we're speaking now, three or 4,000? We have a a country of 300 and something million people. I can't even calculate how point whatever that is of the population. And it's not deaths, it's it's just people who have gotten this thing. Cases. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, somebody sent me uh, uh, a number that said if 50% of the um, population gets this, which may very well happen, 50% of the population gets it. Oh, my God. 50% of the population get it. And then they wrote that's exactly the same percentage that get a common cold every year. No one ever talks about that. No one says, do you realize that right. 50% of the population gets a common cold every year or more than one? Oh, well, okay. So numbers can drive you crazy if you stare at them, and especially if you don't have any kind of perspective. Get away from the TV set, get away from the screen, and focus on the things that that make your day good. And if you're getting to be with family members, if you're getting to be with friends because you have that time, you know, look at it that way. If you're getting not have to work, Okay, economically, that's a different show. That's a different podcast. Uh, I can't get into, and I'm not qualified to get into, what do we do for money if you're not getting paid and all the rest of it. These are obviously important issues. But 
in terms of just how you live your life, look for the positives that have come out of result of this. So to review, first look at the long, you're really frozen in fear. Look at the long, long range picture. There is nothing to fear in the long range picture. We're not going to be wiped out by this. America is not going to cease to exist. We're not going to be taken over by a foreign power. The whole world is dealing with this every place else. We're not going to run out of food. We're not going to do any of that. So the long-range picture, nothing big to fear, all right? The short-range picture, all right? Uh, what do you know and what don't you know, all right? Keep the numbers in perspective. Recognize that you can't analyze things. Three, how do you fill your days in a counter? Fill them with the things that make life worthwhile. Find those things. Look at how many books you have in your on your shelves. I'm sitting in an office right now looking at these books, and yesterday I walked in realizing I was going to be in the house for a while or a lot more than I normally am. I said, I wonder if I could actually knock off some of these books. And I was attracted <laughs> by the idea. I said, I've been meaning to read some of these forever, and I'm, I might actually have time to read one every day. Pick a habit. Find something that you've been meaning to do. Organize the photo albums, all that, and say, hey, this is a blessing, because you'll start to look at the change in your life as a positive. Instead of saying, I don't have what I used to, I don't have what I used to, I don't have what I used to. And try to, lastly, be kind. There is a, it's not, this is not just me being Pollyannish. There is a, a great weapon against fear when you use kindness. Because when you are kind to someone, they are generally kind to you back. And it is a reassurance of humanity. When you are in the supermarket and you just took the last five cans of soup and someone comes around the aisle just like you, give them two of your soups. And you'll be amazed at how much better you will feel about your own fear because that's an act of bravery. Kindness is an act of bravery. Ask anyone who's ever, you know, there are very few people left now, but I've had many conversations with them people who survived the Holocaust, and ask them what got them through that most awful process, which doesn't, shouldn't even be used in an example like what we're going through here. What we're going through right. here isn't even on a scale of one to a hundred. It's not even a one. What they say got them through were small acts of kindness and small acts of humanity between many of the prisoners in those camps. And seeing that despite the worst type of conditions, and the threat of death every moment, and imprisonment and starvation, people could still be kind to one another. That is courage. Being kind in the face of fear is courage, because it says, I'm not going to allow fear to take away who I am and who I want to be. And when you do that, you look fear in the face like that, you realize, wait a minute, I can still be who I am. I can control my own destiny by being kind. So do something kind for someone else, and you will feel much less fear than you did the moment before you did that. I promise you. So hopefully this is of some help, and we'll leave you with, uh, we'll leave you with these words from Maury, again, who had really something to fear because he was dying, and yet he was able to say that he had something figured out. Listen to this. So coming back to fear... Fear, the thing that I figured out, once, once you're able to accept and come to terms with your fear of death, 
that all other fears are minor. You can take them easily. Once you settle in your mind and in your heart, that ultimate ending is inevitable. Then you'll have to be afraid anymore because you know it's going to happen and your fears won't avoid it. It won't help you with it. That from a man who really had something to fear and chose not to. So we don't have that specter, that ALS, that debilitation to deal with. We can deal with it too. Together with kindness, with an open heart, with vitality in our days, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through it okay. We do this podcast every Tuesday. You can contact us, Lisa, explain to everybody if they want to share some of their thoughts with us. You can contact us on all of our socials at We Tuesday People. We have a very active Facebook group called Tuesday People, and that's also accessible by We Tuesday People. We have a Tuesday People storyline that we would love for people to start leaving their messages on. We've we've played some of them in the past. Uh, Our number is 248-621-4701, 248-621-4701. If you have anything that you'd like to add to this conversation, leave it on our our phone line, and uh, maybe we'll play it in an upcoming episode. We'll be back next Tuesday with another edition of Tuesday People. Until then, please be kind to one another. Minimize the fear, stay away from the updates on TV and computer, and know that we'll be back here talking about lessons learned and what we can do to one another and with one another to make a world a better place next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.